Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, right? This is part two of a two-parter all about silly arguments in language learning, things that get people really riled up and starting silly debates. Of course, they might not be silly. In fact, often these issues are actually really, really serious, uh, very like, well worth discussing. It's just that the arguments themselves tend to get a little bit silly. It's something you hear a lot of these days where somebody says to you, for example, um, only 22% of people in the UK can hold a conversation in a foreign language. And someone turns around and says, that's not true. I know a guy in London who can speak four languages. So it's a kind of it's a kind of deliberate attempt to uh, to distort the argument based on pre-existing beliefs, right? And people, I don't know whether it's always been like this, but people at the moment, in general, in any kind of uh, discussion, especially uh, political, uh, seem to be there seems to be a mad rush to do exactly that, as if everybody takes stances rather than arguing facts, right? And this happens in language learning uh, just as much uh, as everything else. So. Uh, we're going to get into that today. It's going to be fun. Before we do that, of course, I would like to thank the sponsors of the show. The best place to go to get your language lessons, especially if you're busy or you are, you find it difficult to move from one place to the next or you're kind of tied down to one specific spot and you want to get convenient lessons. With italki, you can find native speaker teachers and schedule your lessons at any time. So to get a free lesson, you can go to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash free lesson. All right then, so let's go through nine things that I've identified which are guaranteed to start an argument about language learning, and and, um, I will give a little comment on each one. So first of all, we've got the whole immersion argument. Now, I covered this uh, in a recent podcast, so I'm not going to go over this again, only to say that immersion, as I've just discovered, is a hot topic. I didn't think it was that much of a hot topic, Uh, but it appears it is. Uh, I won't rehash that. You can go back a few episodes ago. Uh, we covered that. It's also on my on my YouTube channel, which you can search for as well. Next up is Chinese characters. Now, uh, last year I spent a bit of time learning Chinese characters, and I um, did some daily videos about my experiences. Now, I, I thought I was just kind of being helpful. I was reading people people's advice on Chinese characters, looking at different ways of approaching it. And I kind of decided to try out a specific method, which is the HISIG method, uh, spelled H-E-I-S-I-G, very well-known series of books to help you learn Chinese characters for, for Chinese or for Japanese as well. And um, it's super popular, this. So I made these videos about how I was uh, experimenting with it and just talking about my experiences, not endorsing it either way, but saying why I decided to use it and giving my reactions, talking about what I was learning. And I just got, got this unbelievable backlash from people on on YouTube. Of course, YouTube is just where uh, people people's uh, logic and decency goes out the window. But anyway, um, people just being extremely aggressive about um, how I was how the method was totally wrong and it was the you know i mean i I could i could not believe the passion and energy with which people were determined to defeat or knock down any discussion of this uh of this approach uh for those of you who don't know the method is basically what it what it does is that rather than teaching you chinese characters in context it it teaches you 
teaches you then through story. So it will kind of get you to look at the character um, and then look at the component parts and create uh, mnemonic devices around those characters. So you can basically start to gradually build up your knowledge of characters. Um, opponents of that say basically that's rubbish. You should just uh, you should learn Chinese characters by seeing them in context um, and by, um, you know, actually reading real things and learning them that way. Um, I won't go into the pros and cons of each then, but anyway, just to say that I was absolutely blown away by the the anger surrounding that issue. All right, next up is memory. Um, last year, was it the year before? About 18 months ago, I think, I started thinking a lot about memory and writing articles um, about, uh, about memory and uh, doing experiments myself in, in learning methods using techniques like the memory palace for example which we've covered in previous episodes and uh, and i created a course as well called bulletproof memory which is all about um, memory techniques i went out and talked to a lot of different very experienced language learners and uh, asked them about how they were learning looked at the different ways they were learning and created this course um, that teaches you all these different approaches to memory techniques um, and what I discovered was that people, there's a lot of people who, who see this word memory or memorization and have an allergic reaction to it. It's almost as if the word memory or memory technique, um, kind of conjures up this, it's almost as if this, this, what this means is people, someone sitting in a room memorizing lists of words and, um, and I got a lot, quite a lot of reaction from people kind of saying that I don't memorize words at all. I just read read things in context and learn naturally. And I was very surprised by that because because I was like, well, yeah, I, I do that too. Why is why is it an either or discussion? You know, why can you not consume lots of content and look at stuff in, in context, but then also apply simple memory techniques on top of that to make it more efficient? You know. It, people were kind of treating it as a as almost a threat to the way that they learn or the way that they've you know done their language learning or the way they've understood language learning up to this point so again it's it's a total uh, straw man argument it's, it's failing to engage with the the actual t- content of what you're talking about and it's kind of responding to the to, to a particular word rather than the meaning behind that word you know so very very interesting related to that then there's number four, which is flashcards. I've seen people absolutely go red in the face. Or is it blue in the face? I can't remember what colour it is about flashcards. Say, flashcards are the devil. They are destructive. You should never use flashcards. They're going to destroy your language learning. It's the worst language learning tool ever invented. Um, and of course, like their, their, their arguments against flashcards are all based on one particular interpretation of how flashcards are used. Um, usually a very kind of robotic, um, shallow approach to to flashcards where you kind of, I don't know, I don't know what, they, what they think people do in reality, like put one, just have single words with translations and just learn a language, basically grow your vocabulary by looking at decks of flashcards, which is, which is I agree, is a silly thing to do. But their whole argument against using flashcards was based on the assumption that people learnt in that way, which of course is not uh, at all how. Well, it's not how I do it. It's not how I teach it, certainly. And um, you know, flashcards are an extremely powerful um, way to, an extremely powerful way of of learning languages. I use them all the time. Uh, a few months back, we had Gabe Weiner on the show, who also has an entire method built around flashcards. It's very, very popular. 
works for lots and lots of people. Um, so but for some reason, the thought of flashcards seems to um, drive people mad. There we go. All right, number five is translation. An equally hot-button topic. People will say that you should never translate. Everything should stay in the target language. Any kind of translation is um, is evil. You can get around translation by having pictures and having everything in the target language. Um, and people will fight tooth and nail to suggest that you should never use translation in your target language, uh, to, to learn your target language. Um, which strikes me as very, very silly because, um, or rather, let me let me couch that in kind of terms. It's not a silly view, but it is, a, you know, it is very, it's a very narrow viewpoint. Because sure, I mean, if if learning languages with through like complete immersion, no flashcards and no translation works for you, then that's great. I mean, as I always say, the the the, the holy grail is to find out how you learn languages best, right? The problem is that for many people, translation is extremely useful. Why should you... I remember having a, a conversation with uh, with Alex Rawlings about this after Alex did some teacher training and um, was then sent in... He started doing a bit, a bit of English teaching and he realised that the, the school that he was working at would um, oblige him to teach using English. He was in Hungary, I think, at the time. And he, and he said, well, look... I, I'm spending five minutes here to explain a simple concept to my students in English. But if I just used Hungarian, I could explain it in 10 seconds and they'd get it and we could move on. So there's, you know, there's a huge efficiency argument using translation. And the fact that, you know, not, of course, the more exposure to the target language, the better as a general rule. Yes. But that doesn't mean that everything that that should be at the, at the expense of everything else. So translation can really speed up the, the, the language learning process. I use translation on my flashcards. You know, I use flashcards and I have translations on my flashcards, but because that helps me with a very specific way that I like to study. Uh, it works really well for me. Um, Again, in theory, I guess it's wrong, right, according to all this stuff. But whatever, most language learning theory is wrong. And if there's anything we know about um, about language learning from all the research that's been done over the last 30, 40 years is that we don't know anything about how languages are learned. And so, again, for me, it's all about figuring out uh, what works for you. And so what I'm trying to do here on the podcast is kind of raise awareness of the different issues and the different options available to you and kind of crack some of these misconceptions and old wives tales about what's right and what's wrong in the world of language learning. All right, then moving swiftly on Arabic dialects. When I moved to Egypt in 2014, I started learning Arabic. I documented it all on YouTube. Well, not all of it, but quite a lot. If you go to uh, IWillTeachYourLanguage.com and search for Arabic, You'll find lots of blog posts I wrote. I've got some videos on YouTube as well, learning Arabic. Um, I learned Egyptian Arabic because I was moving to Egypt. And so I wanted to learn the dialect that's actually spoken there in Egypt, not modern standard Arabic, which is kind of the, the standard Arabic, a bit like Italian, where you've got this kind of standard Italian that nobody actually speaks because they all speak their local dialect, right? Um, except that it's more extreme in, in the Arab world where they're more like different languages, you know. And so anyway, um, there's a huge argument that rages in the Arabic world, Arabic language world, about whether you should um, learn a dialect or whether you should learn modern standard Arabic. For 
uh, Arabic speakers, modern standard Arabic is like the kind of mother language, if you like. It's the language of the Quran. It's, uh, it is the, the language used for writing. It's, and, and it's, um, you know, it's the language with all the literary tradition. The problem is that it's never spoken on the ground in any country. It's used officially in government offices, in newsrooms and newspapers and things like that. Um, and people will go absolutely nuts about this. They will, especially Arabs themselves, native Arabic speakers, will say they, they, they have this impression that Arabic dialects, such as Egyptian Arabic or, or whatever, are kind of... They, 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 they pretend, it's very weird. They pretend it doesn't exist, almost. They'll say there's no such thing as Egyptian Arabic. There's only one Arab, Arabic. I think there's probably a large religious component to this where people... Um, are obviously for, for obvious reasons very tied to the language of, of the Quran, but there's something ab- around this discussion which kind of blinds them to the fact that actually, locally, uh, Arabic speakers will speak their local dialect with their friends and family, and so for me, obviously, moving to a country, I wanted to learn the language that I was going to speak on a daily basis, and that was the, in my case, the Egyptian dialect of, of Arabic. But wow, you should go and go and check out some um, some YouTube videos or blog posts about about arabic and just look at the the comments <laughs> that come in about that it's it's unbelievable next up number seven the hardest language in the world this is something that benny lewis talks about a lot which is the, the phenomenon of native speakers of, of different languages claiming that their language is the hardest language in the world uh, this happens a lot with arabic happens a lot with japanese happens a lot with chinese uh, a lot of different people will tell you that such and such is the hardest language in the world um and of course um it depends. The answer to so many things depends on lots of things, right? First and foremost, it depends on a the distance from your mother tongue or other language that you're that you know, and b your motivation for learning that language, right? So, objectively speaking, span for for a native English speaker like me, Spanish is much easier to learn than Japanese because uh, English has Latin roots. Which, so do, as does Spanish, and so you've got lots of lots of cognates there, stuff that you already know. Uh, Spanish is closer linguistically to English than Japanese is. Therefore, on paper, Spanish is uh, much easier than Japanese for me as a native English speaker. However, if I couldn't give two hoots about Spain, but I'm in love with Japan, then which language do you think I'm going to have more motivation to learn? And which language do you think I'm, I'm therefore going to spend more time with and going to find it easier to learn in the long run? Obviously, it's going to be Japanese, right? So, so many things, uh, so so much in language learning depends on on your motivation. And and the hardest language in the world um, is the language that you really don't care about and have no desire to learn. Uh, you know, the, the specific linguistic obstacles to learning a language is only, is only one part of the equation. All right, then moving on. Number eight, grammar. Wow. I mean, I'm sure I don't need to tell you much about this. People. Um, on the whole, are either very pro-grammar or very anti-grammar. So you have some people that will say that grammar is a total waste of time and a red herring, and you don't need to learn any grammar to learn a language. In fact, grammar is dangerous because it sucks you into learning all these rules at the expense of learning to speak the language. Whereas on the other hand, you say, no, grammar is uh, the foundation of every language. You have to learn the rules, otherwise how can you speak the language? And of course... The answer is somewhere in between. But in general, I think I come down on the side of, well, you know, let's look at what most people struggle with. And most people struggle with 
uh, grammar because they place a little bit too much importance on it. Often people get stuck with a language because they are obsessed with mastering these grammar rules. And they spend so much time studying that grammar that they don't actually get around to speaking. And if they just took the attitude of, well, a few grammar mistakes here and there are okay, they would suddenly find their fluency goes up leaps and bounds. Uh, so I tend to to edge along the side of uh, don't worry too much about grammar simply because I'm trying to counterbalance the, 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 the phenomenon of people just worrying too much about grammar. All right, then lastly, the big one, children learn best. We should all learn languages like children. Uh, I think Rosetta Stone, the, um, the popular language learning uh, company, says we teach you languages like, uh, like le- or learn, language like, learn languages like a child. I think that their, their slogan is something like that. And of course, everybody will tell you things like, well, children learn best, don't they? They soak up languages. Uh, we've, I've talked about this so many times, so I don't want to necessarily rehash everything. But um, again, there's this, there's this idea that children learn languages best because they never have to study and they do it so easily. Uh, the idea being that, of course, we all learn our mother tongue, therefore we're great language learners, right? But anyone who's observed a child learning languages over time or taught children knows that it's it's nothing of the sort. You know, a, a baby starts getting 24 hours a day exposure to their mother tongue at birth. And yet if you fast forward five years, they're still not particularly coherent speakers. Even if you fast forward 10 years, they're only just starting to get a real grip of the language. Uh, and so, you know, on what basis do you say that... Uh, as an adult, we should learn languages in the same way. It's silly. You can you can do things much faster because as an adult on day one, you've got study skills, which means you can um, bring your brain to bear on interpreting the language that, that is out there, um, which a child cannot do. Okay? But of course, that's not to say that you shouldn't take a leaf out of children's books. You know, kids have certain massive advantages. They don't care. They have no inhibitions. And so they just go out and speak. And a lot of adults would benefit greatly from that kind of approach to it. So as ever, as with everything, there are two sides to the coin. And the answer is somewhere in between. But more importantly, it's very, very personal. And it depends on you. So there we go. Well, that's quite that's quite a cathartic experience, actually. I feel like I've got like 20 years of language learning <clears throat> grief off my chest in um, over the space of 18 and a half minutes. So uh, I enjoyed that. I hope you did too. If you'd like to leave me a question for the podcast, maybe a reaction to this, you can go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash ask. And um, as for some further reading, well, why don't you head over to the show notes and leave me your reaction to this in a comment. I'd really love to hear your reaction. The show notes are at IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash episode 240. I've also put a link to some of the resources I mentioned in this episode in the show notes. There we go. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. You know, one of the questions I get asked most often about language learning is how to improve your memory. Because things get so much easier when you learn new words and you don't forget them later in conversation when you really need them. So what I decided to do was to put together a a short email course. It's a three-part email course over three days that teaches you my favorite techniques for memorizing vocabulary and actually putting that vocabulary into your long-term memory. 
It's a short course, three days, it's completely free, and if you'd like to sign up for it, please go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash free memory course.